This is not like your regular mom podcast. It's your cool mom podcast. It's an unfiltered look into motherhood through the lens of the working mom and mom bosses, all while figuring out the journey of how we got to where we are and how we juggle it all, even if we aren't. We keep it real, we keep it positive and fun. We are two mompreneurs who've had successful careers in the fashion, beauty, and design industries in New York City while raising little ones and also making a mean cheese board. I'm serious. I'm Liz. And I'm Amanda. And we are Mom Goals. Hey, Mama. Hi. How's it going? I'm so excited. Today we have Rachel Nix on and I've been wanting to talk to her for so long. Rachel is an amazing, not only a mother of two beautiful sons living in New York, and she is from California, Oakland to be exact. She's an actor, graduate of Juilliard, might have heard of that school. She's the founding <laughs> mirror instructor and or one of the founding mirror instructors, uh, a doula, a lactation counselor. And she also founded Birth Queen, which I'm so impressed by. Um, it's to combat black maternal health crisis and black mothers can be confident knowing that there is someone advocating for them and breathing new life into the birth world with funding, education and support. So <laughs> glad I finally get to talk to you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I know it's like we're all like mom goal, mom brains. <laughs> but we seriously, I, I, I mean, mean, juggling all of that, that's it. That's all you've got. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's, I always just tell people, I'm like, here's the deal. I'm always going to be owing someone an email and a deliverable. And it's fine. I'm always late. I, I, but I feel like I'm balancing out being the overachieving straight A student who stayed up way too late to get straight A's. Um, and now I'm like, mm, failing left and right. <laughs> it's all good. Oh my goodness. I, I would say you're hardly failing. <laughs> you oh strike God, me as somebody no. who's an inbox zero kind of person or striving to be at least. No. <laughs> Yo, if you guys saw my inbox, it would give you a headache. I think literally, let me show you. Um, on my phone, it says 9,388. I uh oh that's nothing. <laughs> and most of it's I have sixteen thousand on mine. Fourteen thousand eight hundred and five. Oh, okay. Go. <laughs> oh, I'm doing good. Yes, I'm winning. Yes. Um, Mom I mean, goals. Have, like, <laughs> I love the speech though. See, that's the problem. We should open with if anyone doesn't understand like a mom brain, that's it. 14,000 unopened emails, but that's how many folders are literally floating in our brain at any given moment because the kids need something. The dog needs something. Their dad needs something. You need eight things. Like it's just, it doesn't stop. Um, and then I decided to buy a house. I'm like, Oh, and now there's like water bills and oil bills. And I'm like, what is all this stuff? Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, Hanging, I was hanging garland this morning on my porch because I have to keep up with the suburbanites now. Look at you, suburban mom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, but um, let's chat. Whatever you want to know, I'm, I'm wide open. Yeah, well, so, I mean, I give you a little intro of who you are, but I want to hear how you describe who you are. You know, it's always that interesting thing, like, what do you start with? Um. I'm very tenacious about being Rachel first. I think it's really important. Um, you know, we hear that when moms lose themselves, uh, and I'm a huge advocate, not only for myself, but other women to prioritize themselves because you cannot pour from an empty cup. 
there are a lot of um, pressures and expectations, all that are like conflicting, right? Which can cause a mom to be really stressed. But I'm Rachel Nix. I'm born and raised in Oakland, California. I am a mother of two sons. I'm an actor. I'm a trainer. I'm a doula, lactation counselor, and now a nonprofit founder. I thrive when I'm able to be all of my pieces. I am not one thing. I'm many, as are all of us. Um, but I feel like life can kind of force you to uh, kind of one of your pieces into overdrive. And I know I'm best when I can just kind of just wear all my hats. It gets a little crazy, but um, I, you know, I'm an external processor, which stresses my Virgo mom out. Cause then I just like short circuit and I'm like, ah! and then I'm like, okay, everything's <laughs> fine. I'm good. And she's like, but then she's not good. So I'm realizing, you know, at year 37, maybe I shouldn't like, you know, have my short circuit with her. Cause then she's like stressed <laughs> for two weeks. Um, and I'm like, mom, I'm fine. And she's like, but she worked five, like three seconds ago. Um, but yeah, I, that's, that's me. And I know to a lot of people, cause they're like, wait, what? You have like eight jobs. I'm like, yeah, kind of. Um, but I, I, I'm something people don't probably know about me is I'm a, I'm a nerd. I love knowledge. I love learning. Um, and so I spent, you know, my life through my twenties, I haven't stopped learning anything, but really cultivating and filling my toolbox. And so, uh, throughout my thirties, it's been nice to like have all those tools at my disposal and like really start to create change. And, and if I had to boil myself down into one sentence, I'm best when I'm affecting change for my community. And if I'm not healing or creating change, I just don't feel full. Oh, I love that, Rachel. So you started the most amazing foundation that's really needed, the, the birth queen. And it's something that it's mm-hmm. not talked about. And I it actually didn't even occur to me that like a college educated black mother is 60% greater risk of maternal death. That's something that is a statistic that like, I don't know why it's not more prominent. And your organization really is fighting to combat that and something that is really needed. So I applaud you on that. And I just, I'm curious how you got started with that. I mean, full disclosure, uh, so I'm a black woman, I have two black sons. And 2020, I was pregnant with Baldwin, who's uh, born September 28th. And as we know, I just feel like the world just was a hot mess. And um, every single night of my third trimester, I had anxiety attacks. So literally as the sun started to set, uh, one would hit and then I was panicking because I knew I wasn't going to sleep and I still was working. I was teaching remotely um, on the mirror till I was 39 weeks and I had a two-year-old and like it was a pandemic. And what I, what I was doing and other people were doing is like, oh, it's just your pregnancy. You can't sleep. And maybe you're just stressed about pregnancy. I'm like, no, like I can sleep and I've been pregnant before. And this is not my baby. So I was blaming the baby for, for my anxiety or for not being able to sleep. And I was like, no, fuck that. It's racism. That's what's wrong. Like, I'm terrified of bringing another Black son into this world. Horrified. Yeah. And so I had a very vivid vision in September to, like, as I speak, I have, like, chills. I feel very connected to spirit all of 2020. I'm getting so the chills at the same now. time. Yeah. Yeah, like... Um, you know, when you're pregnant, you're connected, I think in a different way, but I felt 
I, you know, for any believer or whatever, when things are just outside of your control, I feel like my steps have been ordered and I just feel like I'm, I'm walking in my path. Like, I feel like I'm in my flow. And let me, let me tell you, everything in my life is not perfect right now, but this is, I know what I'm here to do, or this is my purpose. And so I had this super clear vision to collect black birth stories. I think it was just like my artist trying to quell my trauma and my fear. And it was one of those visions where I like got up in the middle of the night, I went to the gram and I was like, would black women share their story? And women that I'm friends with that are super private and conservative. And then like the executive producer for the Apollo were like, yep, I'm in, sign me up. And I'm like, wait a minute, there's something here. So um, it then, you know, for, for time's sake, I had my baby like two weeks later, then I had to do that. And then that was September 28th. And I founded Birth Queen on literally, I got my EIN for Birth Queen on International Women's Day. So, oh my God. And it was within, yeah, it was within three days. Signs. (laughs) And then, yes. And things were happening. Like I need to meet a black midwife. The next day, a black midwife emailed me. I booked a gig that was the cost of my nonprofit, like filing. It was things like that where I'm like, all right, God. Yeah. It it was like, it was meant to be. There was totally working for you. (laughs) Yes. I couldn't just be like, I can't do this, you know? And when I got my EIN on international women's day, I just said, F it. I'm posting about this. I can't wait. I just have to ride this wave. Um, and so what my vision is, it's, it's in the simplest form. And then I have like a huge like ecosystem that I see. But we know that when black mothers are cared for by black care providers, women even more specifically, the outcomes are more positive. Um, because historically, just every woman in history, like years ago, it was a women's thing to give birth to a baby. Women were surrounded by women and babies were born. Um, and so what I want to do is provide education and support in terms of midwives, doulas, and lactation consultants for black birthing people and fun trainings for black, more black birth workers. Yes. We need to like deal with racism and medical racism, but like, that's not my job. I'm sure I'll have hands in getting that done, but I just want Birth Queen to house resources for allies as well, but for Black birthing people to come and find resources. But then beyond that, I want, I foresee every Black mother having like what I call like a gold package of love where all of her pre and postnatal essentials are, you know, provided in the box and all, but above and beyond pre and postnatal meals, a maternity shoot, like all the things that are so you know, intangible for so many people. And the three of us are very privileged. And, you know, but you start looking at like, you know, what the doula costs, the shoot costs of this. It's oh, yes. crazy. Like oh, most yeah. people right. cannot afford that. Like it's ridiculous. No. Um, and it should have no idea. insurance. Yeah. It should be. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's the vision. Um, and it's coming together. I literally founded it when I had a three-year-old and a six month old. Um, and my mom and my brother are like, you're psycho. I'm like, oh my God, you're not supporting me. (laughs) Um, and so, yeah, it's going to be what it is. I give myself grace. It's just me, but I know like once that big check 
happens, which I know is coming, then I'll be able to build a team and, but, and mobilize. Um, so it's exciting. Um, I've had a lot of success. Like I spoke at Concordia global summit with, uh, like UN people and all the whole thing in September. So that was also really amazing. A year to the date, almost I was speaking on a global stage about my nonprofit. So, um, that's, I mean, it's also so needed right now with the pandemic. Oh yeah. And I think it's important since we're on here to break down because it's a, it's a issue that you're like, wait, what? Actually Mm -hmm. at the same time I was, um, pregnant with a baby during the pandemic in the beginning and going through the same anxiety you did. And I remember reading about Kira Johnson, uh, Judge Hatchett's daughter-in-law, who was yep, like, neglected. Yep, and she's like, you know, uh-huh. a college-educated, you know, privileged woman. And they clearly neglected her in the hospital. And she ended up dying during her That's birth crazy. because yep. she was black. And I remember having the same anxiety that you had because... I was giving birth in a pandemic where every nurse was pulled into the ICU and how scary that was to be left alone. I mean, at the time, my husband couldn't be in recovery with me. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I could just literally be left here for dead and nobody would know. And I just remember reading that story about Kira Johnson and saying, God, I can't even imagine how amplified that is for a black woman. And I was like, there's got to be resources. And then, you know, our our mutual friend, Erin, kind of introduced me to you. And I was like, finally, somebody somebody's talking about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, her husband has dedicated his life to it. And there's some legislation called the Momnibus Act that got passed. It's not the whole act, but like for veterans, like black vets will receive more support. Um, but for people who, anyone, right? It's not just like white people, but who are like, wait, what? How is this happening? Like, why are black women dying? It's easy for you to say, oh, it's a pre-existing condition. Oh, they're poor. Oh, no. It literally looks like this. You go into the hospital and you say, Mm-mm, this doesn't feel right or ouch, something's hurting and we get dismissed. So what happened was in the 1860s, when Marion Sims was practicing the C-section, he practiced on slaves. Most of them he raped. We see that in the census because the babies were biracial. Um, And he did it without anesthesia. And many of the slaves survived. And so what he did was that black women don't feel pain the way white women (gasps) do. And they, yes. And so that idea holds true today they've done studies and so when a black woman is like ouch this that they're like oh you're strong because that's our the stereotype is like black women are so strong i'm like no we're just women (laughs) we ain't got no choice we just have to survive but being strong and surviving are two very different things right um having to live in a state of survival is something i with birth queen want to eradicate i don't i want to take away this need for black people and women to have to survive their birth. Right. Uh, that should be a given because <laughs> it was a given in like, you know, the 1600s. So I don't know how now in 2021, we have a higher maternal mortality rate, which people probably don't realize, which was all by design. So white women, green women, pink women, black women need to understand that obstetrics was created by white men to make money. 
And we mm-hmm. began to die at insane rates because they didn't know what they were wow. doing. They didn't wash their hands. They put us all in a maternity ward and disease spread, right? So when you hear, oh my God, if I have a baby, it's so dangerous, I'm going to die. Yeah, because white men were like, oh, I can make money delivering babies. And I don't know what I'm doing because they didn't adopt the techniques from midwives, which in America were black slaves. Mm -hmm. So pretty much everyone was born at the hands of a slave, a midwife. And the success rates were extremely high. And so they demonized those midwives and then created obstetrics to make money. And then now you can't really find a black midwife because they then said, oh, wait, midwifery actually is a cool thing. But now it's like a white thing, which is also crazy because you're like, wait, hold on. But it's not really like everybody was born by a black woman. So the levels of intricacy, craziness, racism, you know, it's very, it was all very intentional. So we have to understand this is not an accident, but I think it's imperative that we understand something as like horrifying as cutting slaves open after raping them without anesthesia and then saying, oh, black women are strong. But that today is my girlfriend who's, you know, makes probably damn near seven figures as an attorney goes into the doctor and says, my ankle hurts. I can't wear my red bottoms. And they're like, you're fine. And she had to go back four times until someone heard her. Well, if I'm about to hemorrhage, I don't have four times to come back to you to say, I think something's wrong with me. I'm dead. And so that's how it happens. So, huh. um, that's and I know it's heavy, impactful. but it's important to know. Yeah. And it's heavy, right? But we can't get stuck there because there's a solution. And that's where Rachel, you know, when you meet Rachel Mix, it's like, all right, cool. There's a problem. Where's the solution? Here's the solution. Breaking the solution. Black women need women that look like them as their doulas, their lactation counselors, their midwives. If they need an OB, cool. But the toolbox, most of us don't need an OB. It's very pathological. We're not broken. Birth is not something that you're not sick, right? And and the other thing, you know, that people, women need to understand is if you don't feel safe, your cervix will not open. It's, it's just a thing. Totally. It's all hormonal. It's anxiety. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. yes. So if you're pumping adrenaline and you're pumping cortisol, your cervix will not open. There's literally been studies where a woman had dilated, something scared her and her, literally her cervix closed. Oh, so yes. you're telling me you want to think that happens to me during COVID. <laughs> yeah, no. So you throw me in there. Every, no one's looking at you. No one's talking to you. They look strapped with all these damn machines. You don't need any of that stuff. You do not. You're no. not broken. And then half of the time it's wrong. How many times have we heard women be told, oh my God, your baby's huge. You're not going to be able to have your baby. Like it's all bullshit. And at the end of the day, yep. When you get an ultrasound and another ultrasound, guess what they're doing? Making money, more money, more money, and then pumping you full of fear because they're like, you having a big baby. Well, guess what? I'm not having a Oh, yet. yeah. I got the okay? same thing. Like, I was told that I was going to have a, a way too big of a baby and that I needed to, they were actually, I had a physician's assistant say, you need to watch it because you're gaining too much weight and you're going to have a really big baby. And I was like, good, I'll have a healthy baby and I'll be healthy because I'm eating what my baby wants. Yeah, I mean, it's, don't even get me started. We can be here all day. And <laughs> I know. Today, but like, I'm like, you know what I you just, need. And I think you have to, but it's, it is, it, it, it's enraging. And so what's really important for the audience to hear is that all of us as women 
are receiving subpar support when we are pregnant and during our birth and postpartum. And so in my wearing my other hat of like fitness and, and advocacy for women, I'm a huge advocate of the pelvic floor, talking about diastasis recti, talking about really healing your body from the inside out. So, you know, we talked about black women with my, with birth queen, but if we talk about the pelvic floor and incontinence with the white community, it's awful. And it enrages me how many of my friends and students as white women are suffering from incontinence and it's being normalized. It is not normal. It is not necessary. And you don't need to get to prolapse or mesh surgery to have a solution. Um, but I think oh God, it's something yes. that I really, yeah, like to talk about because it, it, I think some white women are conscious of the pressure to be thin postpartum, but a lot of you guys, not necessarily because it's just embedded in the culture. It's what you see. And so you feel that's what is expected of you. Um, and a lot of women do a lot of damage to their bodies as a result. And then that affects your physical body, your mental, your emotional, all of it. They, people don't talk about it, but as soon as I bring it up, then it's like, oh my God, oh my God, yes, yes, me, 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 me. Yeah, um, I actually, I've been posting about that. I have the diastasis recti, you know, I was mm -hmm. diagnosed with like a minor version of it. And I asked my OB, mm -hmm. like, what can I do about that? And she said, oh, you know, just don't they do don't punches. Maybe they don't know and they don't advise yeah. you. And I was like, well, should I go to like a pelvic floor expert? No, it, you'll be fine. Like nobody, nobody talks about it. And when I posted about it on Instagram, I had so many women saying, I think I have that. I don't know. I have this like bulge yep. in my, you know, I never went away yep. after birth but nobody talks about it. So of course, nobody's going to do anything about it. No, they're just like, do more crunches, yeah. do more crunches, right? No, and you don't want to well, do crunches. Crunches and are worse. Yes, right. Crunches make it worse. So you're more vulnerable postpartum. So where you come together at the midline of your body, you can separate. All of us are probably going to have some bit of separation right around your belly button. Um, but with pelvic floor healing and just your core in general, I'm an advocate for like letting it heal for like six to nine months before you're really like running, jumping and doing a lot of forward flexion, which would be a ton of crunches or like Pilates. You, it'll go back kind of, you know, by itself around that time. Um, you still want to avoid twisting. And unfortunately we're like, I got to lose weight and get, have a flat stomach. So we do the two worst possible things. We go for a run and we do crunches. Like literally the That's worst what I did. things you could do. <laughs> the worst idea ever. Because literally you're going to feel like your uterus is going to fall out of your vagina because it needs to heal. And then you can worsen your diastasis with twisting and crunching. So with what I teach, I call ab toning or diaphragmatic breathing. Postpartum, you want to exhale Visualize your pelvic floor like a jellyfish kind of swimming up to the top of a tank or ocean. Um, and, uh, and at the same time as you exhale and lift your pelvic floor, you want to think about corseting, right? Your transverse abdominals. So your transverse abs connect from your spine to the midline of your body. When you do a crunch, those are your rectus abdominals. Those are just pretty, right? And they, allow your body to curl, but that's not what you need. You need your corset, like support muscles. Those are the muscles that help you do a plank wrap, right? or just support you through your day that wrap around you, that bind your body, hold your organs in and all that. So, um, 
you want to just exhale, engage your core, like feel like I'm pulling the strings from top, you know, top to bottom of a corset as you exhale, engage vaginal and anal muscles, doing a Kegel and then inhale, relax, expand your belly. But what's super important is your pelvis. So most of us have an anterior tilt. So if you imagine a bowl of cereal, a lot of us are spilling the milk out of the front of the bowl. So think about just if you're looking at feeling your pelvis as you sit down, right? You just roll back on your sit bones. And when you just do that, guess what? Your belly pulls in from over your pants, right? When we arch I'm our doing back, this now. our <laughs> yes, do it now. That's why I'm trying. I'm, I'm like, like doing it with I'm, my hands. As you're you walking us through. I'm like, oh, let me try this. I never think. To yeah, that. try it. So our low back gets really tight. So I blame high school, right? Because you're like, oh my God, I'm going to like lock one knee out and stick my hip out and arch my back. And like, I always wanted a bigger booty and it's never going to happen. And so, yeah. So it's a horrible habitual habit just of uh, standing, right? So you want to think about a toddler or a monkey when you stand, you always want to have shoulders over hips, hips over knees, knees over ankles. So a little air behind your knees, which will neutralize your pelvis. So you have a neutral bowl pelvis. And then just by that alone, your pelvic floor and your core are going to activate just a little bit. You cannot do a Kegel with an arched back. Let's have a little fun. If you're having sex on all fours and it's very pleasurable, your back is completely arched, your pelvic floor is completely wide open, your abs are calm. If it hits the wrong way, we all do a Kegel, tuck our tailbone, neutralize our pelvis and close the gate. You cannot arch your back and do a Kegel. So when I usually give the all fours example, everyone's like, oh yeah, okay, I get it. So that's a Kegel. <laughs> so you want to, ex the exercises I give are exhale, engage, vaginal anal muscles with the lift. So it's not just a close, it's a lift, all three layers, and then engage your transverse abdominals. Then I want you to practice exhaling, engaging, holding, like up to 10 seconds, repeat that five or 10 times. Then as you their next step is blinks where you're just engaging, releasing, engaging, releasing. Now, as you get better at it, you can pick up the pace a little bit, but it's not about speed. It's about like full engagement and full relaxation. Both are equally important. And then the last exercise is elevator. So you lift layer one, layer two, layer three, hold, and then try to release three, two, and one. Not the easiest thing postpartum or third trimester, but really important that you have that understanding. Um, something else no one talks about pain with sex is called vaginismus. A lot of us, yes, can, nobody like, talks dancer. about this. Yes. Vaginismus is pain with sex. A lot of dancers have that, right? Any ballerina who had to just like do essentially every ballerina does a Kegel for her whole life because she has to levitate, you know? Um, so you're, you're, you have what they call an overactive pelvic floor. So I am, it's expensive to go to a pelvic floor therapist, but the workup is really important. And you can have like the left side activates more than the right side or the anal is stronger than the vaginal. Like everybody has a different makeup. So it's important to know that. If you're having pain with sex postpartum, a lot of that can be mental. Someone just came out of there. So you're like, do I really want you in here? I don't know. Is it broken? It's so many thoughts you're having. And when your mind is, you know, tense, your vagina is tense. It's, they're connected. So you have to like practice exhaling, relaxing before. Also positions. A lot of times like missionaries at 12 o'clock, 
try one o'clock or 10 o'clock. Um, cause you might have scar tissue in certain places. And if your partner oh, just like so moves interesting. to the side a little bit. Yeah. So if your partner moves to the side a little bit, that might feel better. Do not be afraid to use lube, coconut oil, whatever. Like it's all good. If you're not dry, you're not broken. Like you got a lot going on. Okay. And then if you have a baby, you ain't got all that time. You used to have to be doing all the things, you know? So whatever you need to feel comfortable and safe in your body. Um, and please moms, like I am here for, do not let your kids feel your sexy. Like, even if you're in your sweats, you are a bad bitch. You know, you had a whole baby, you're a queen. And so birth queen is, I want every woman to understand she is a queen. We very rarely feel like that, but we create life. And so I'm so over this, like, let me be downtrodden and like have crusty, you know, cereal and all this crap on my clothes. And then I'm a good mom. Uh-uh. No. And speaking get your nails of that, done, get your hair done. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. What have you done for you lately? Like, how do you carve out time for yourself? Uh, it's really hard. My trainer texts me like, what are you, where are you? Did we break up? I'm like, yeah, I'm so busy. Um, so I like, I have a trainer that I love dearly, Tony, um, we're really good friends. But as a trainer, it's important for me to just like work out, but it's, it's like better than therapy. We get to like laugh and, and he challenges me. So I get like a physical release and just like a, a chatting adult conversation, which is really nice as a mom. Um, so I do that. I do acupuncture. Gabriel sure shout out to Ooh. him. Aaron actually. Is that in the me. city? Yes. He's in the city um, on like 21st and Broadway. So, okay. What do I do for me? Rapid fire nails. I get my lashes done. I love to get my brows done. I work out. And if I, and when I can at least once or twice a month, acupuncture. Those are, those are my things. And I've been since October doing it, trying to do a daily devotional to just kind of ground myself in gratitude and faith. And that also helps a lot. That's so good. So good. It must be so hard to fit in workouts for you when you're like literally mm-hmm. doing a workout for your job. Cause it's, I imagine it's not the same thing. No, it's not. I love my job though. I like when I tell you, I can feel like I'm nothing in the tank and I get to work and I just, I light up. It's I'm very blessed. I, I love what I do. I love everything that I do. Um, I'm and you super, do so I'm, much of I, it. I never lose that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why, you know, some are like, how are you able to, I love what all that I do. I really do. And that, I think that's, and that makes a huge difference. So you do so much and you have so many things that you love to do, but we want to know what's on your cheese board, which we use as a metaphor. If you guys know us, we love cheese boards. So we want to know what is your latest obsession and things that you love. It could be anything from, being a suburban mom and decorating to, you know, going into the city or anything that you love. Thanks for saying that. I, yeah. I'm really proud of myself for being a homeowner now. Um, I finished remodeling like a dream kitchen. Um, so I just like love the quiet when the kids are down and I have my glass of wine and I'm just like sitting in my kitchen. Like, is this my life? Even dropping my son off. I'm like, it's so pretty here. Like, you know, hard work does pay off. <laughs> I feel the mm-hmm. same. And we're neighbors now. So we'll have to go drop the kids off and grab coffee together sometime. <laughs> yes, absolutely. This is awesome. 
So last, I mean, you, you have given us so many like just tools and things I would never even think about. I would put those under the mom hacks and then some self-care category, but what are your mom goals? Like, what are your, like, you know, what's your favorite mom hack that you can share with us? You know what? I think mine is more of like a mindset, but you know, those moments where both of your kids need you, the dog peed on the floor, the baby throws up you're late to this, you're lactating, you know, I just, you feel like everything's a hot ass mess. Just, oh, that was me this morning. (laughs) Yeah. Just taking a breath and talking to yourself like, girl, this is going to end. It's beautiful chaos. Like everything is going to be okay. And it's Mm -hmm. so hard because you have this vision of your day and then you're like, what the hell has my life come to? I've failed, you know. And a lot of women go into like way deep, like I'm a failure. I can't do this. And I know I said that word and I don't believe in that. I also, guys, I don't believe in mom guilt. So if you have that moment where you're like, I feel guilty. Why why do you feel guilty? Because you do all the things? Are you kidding me? No, that's, doesn't equal guilt and it guess what multitasking is horrible for your brain (laughs) and we all do it and so you know I even teach my son when he's like I want it now you know and I'm like god have I raised you to talk to me like that like what is happening and I go wait what is mommy doing and he looks at me he goes a lot of things I said and have you thought about anyone else's feelings in this moment and he goes no I said okay well you're not the only person that has needs now Am I always that calm? No, but we also have to teach our kids, right? Our boys and our girls that we are not machines. So my mom hack would be screw snapback culture, screw guilty, and just give yourself grace. And in those crazy moments where you're like, oh oh my God, just hashtag beautiful chaos. Because as much beauty as there is, as much beauty as there is, there's a whole lot of chaos you know and chaos is going to happen that's why I don't really believe in like a lot of schedules I think Aaron might have spilled your beans to me about that Liz but I'm I'm not saying be like me because I'm a Pisces and an artist and, and I'm all over the place but I believe more <laughs> in rituals and routines than schedules because I feel like schedules make you feel like you're failing when it doesn't go yes. according to plan and very rarely does it so a girl as after my own heart mom, <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, just take a breath. Yes. Intention. Yes. Routines, uh, rituals, all of those things. But those things to me provide you safety and solace and and calm versus shit. I said at 10 o'clock and it's 10, 15, you know, that kind of thing. Um, Because it's just 10 o'clock might not always happen. And if it does, great. I love that. Thank. (laughs) Oh my God. Rachel, I could talk to you all day. You just have so many words of wisdom and just like our all all encompassing all inspiring and I'm in awe so thank you so much so where can people find you when they want to find both you and birth queen yes if you um go follow me on instagram rachel e nix r-a-c-h-e-n-i-c-k sorry oh my god mom brain (laughs) r-a-c-h-e-l-e classic n-i-c-k-s and at birth queen org is instagram if you can follow both of us and then i have a website rachelmix.com and birthqueen.org um but i would love to do like a live we could do one about uh the pelvic floor and uh, diastasis if you want um oh my god i would love that like so helpful yeah yeah no we'll we'll definitely have to do that and 
now you're making me want to take your classes. So I guess people can also Liz, find I you think on we should do that for ourselves. Yes. Yes. Ooh, you can also right? buy like a that idea. Um, you can also <laughs> buy a mirror and, and we can hang out every day. <laughs> I would love that. I would love to look at your face every day. So that would be amazing. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, Rachel. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Rachel. Have a good day. Inspo. Okay. All you right. too. Bye. Okay. Bye, Bye, Rachel. I know mom. That was so nice. She's oh, awesome. I oh my love God. her. I seriously can like hear infectious. her. I know. All day. Like every right? single thing. I'm like, yes, yes, girl. <laughs> oh my yeah, goodness. She was so well, good. I mean, speaking of mom brain, I have my uh, son's school calling right now and they are saying to pick him up because he has a fever. So uh, I don't know how we juggle it all. It's insane how much we're doing. All of us. <laughs> I know, but Rachel, I mean, especially she just she seems is, like she just seems so grounded in her approach. To she's so grounded, too, but right? she's also, you know, she didn't we didn't even dive into that. She's an actress like she's been on like Grey's Anatomy and like major shows and movies. And she's also I mean, she went to Juilliard like that's huge. And I know she's also like one of the founding instructors of the mirror like that's also she just huge. seems like, like there's just something she's so calming too and like positive yes. and the way she doesn't sound like remote I mean that was me I feel like I'd be kind of overwhelmed frankly I'm like how I know I know this? but I and guess like, you kind of have to yeah I also really liked how she's like I don't really set like schedule schedules of course you have some kind of schedule she's teaching and she's doing all things but like intention things are much more fluid it sounds like yes I'm gonna start right. using the word ritual over schedule I think that's brilliant much better well, speaking of which, I got to get on schedule. So um, I think we're going to have to wrap this up. But love this episode of the podcast. Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review. Find us on Instagram at Mongols the Podcast. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you guys next time. Love you, Mama. Love you, Mama. Bye.